remember the Be Cool, Stay in School campaign? Today on Find Your Cause, we're talking about choices and a nonprofit using the concept of choice to keep kids in school. Softest question first. Can you tell us your name and who you are? <laughs> yeah, I'm Leo Muller. I'm Executive Director of Choices Education Group. Great. And thanks for being here. I've researched a little bit about choices. We've talked a little bit about choices, but for someone who's never heard of it, how do you describe what it is? Well, there's a couple ways to describe it. Um, I would say that our focus as a nonprofit organization is to keep teens in school. And the way we do that is by increasing their positive engagement in school. Um, our program is actually delivered by business people that we train here in the community. They go into eighth grade classrooms during the school day, right in there with all 30 kids and the teacher, and they deliver the content um, over uh, two class periods, one class period on one day and then another class period on the next day. And the content is all about day one, making the case for staying in school, and day two, um, helping kids understand skills that they can use, introducing them to skills that can help them um, be successful in that endeavor. So things like decision-making, time management, and goal-setting, and applying self-discipline to get where they want to go. And this program focuses on eighth graders. Yes. Why the eighth grade? Well, a couple of reasons. One is when it first started, we were, um, this was started by a father who was helping his own son that mm -hmm. was having trouble in school. He was a ninth grader um, at the time. And so when we started delivering the program beyond just helping his own son, we realized there was something here that could help other kids. We also started delivering it at the ninth grade level. But we realized that kids um, that aren't prepared for high school uh, are going to have a really hard time in high school. So we decided it would be good to move to the eighth grade. And we had a lot of educators that suggested as well that it would be a better fit at the eighth grade level because if we can get kids on track for high school, then uh, it's going to make their high school experience much more uh, positive and much more likely to succeed. Yeah, and just thinking back in my own experience of eighth grade, <laughs> I don't often go back there in my mind, but no, right? there's a lot going on. It can be traumatic. For, yeah. yeah. It's a traumatic time of life. I mean, you know, some people ask us, well, do you only serve at-risk kids? And I say, well, <laughs> in my view, being an eighth grader is an at-risk situation because you're going through so many things. You're being drawn between being a kid and wanting to be an adult and then wanting to be a kid again and trying to figure out who you are in your in your mind, in your body, in your spirit, in your in your in intellect, uh, in your relationships, where do you fit in? It's a, it's a really challenging time. But it also means that they're very open to input. Uh, mm -hmm. And that cuts both ways because it could be positive or negative uh, input in their lives. So we hope to come in uh, with business people and others in the community that, that do this program to be positive adult role models for them. Yeah. And, and how do you seek out those um, positive adult role models? Well, um, so here in Seattle, where we're based, we run the program ourselves, and we reach out to the business community, um, and then by connection to the business community, um, finding employees of companies that we reach out to uh, who want to do this. Um, sometimes they'll then connect us with others that they know. Maybe it's a friend, a relative, uh, even an adult child that they think would res resonate with this if they themselves are a little bit older. Um, and so over time, we've gotten people from all different walks of life um, that have delivered this program. Um, we have a guy who owns some real estate and, and 
So he has a lot of flexibility during the day. Another guy is a real estate agent. Um, somebody else is a nurse at the UW Medical Center. And so um, we draw from all different life experiences and also from different demographics that hopefully in the aggregate uh, reflect the demographics of the kids that we serve. Yeah. And by the numbers, just how many students are you able to touch in a year or how many schools are you in? Mm -hmm. So we, um, as I mentioned, we run the program ourselves here. And in King County, we serve um, about, let's see, about four to 5,000 kids a year. Wow. And we have um, 29 schools in five school districts that we serve. It's primarily Seattle schools, Highland schools, and Bellevue schools. And then we also work with Shoreline and uh, Lake Washington School District on a more limited basis. We, we'd be happy to serve more and hope to, um, but at this point we're just working with one school in each of those two districts. So all together, uh, and we have about 57 volunteers that are active um, delivering the program from, uh, again, from different members of the business community. Um, we also work with the chamber. We work with, we have Rotarians uh, from Rotary Clubs that are involved with this program as well here in the community. So it takes all. It takes a lot of folks to get yes. involved to make the workshops happen. That's right, and they go in as pairs, so two okay. people to go in together. So the nice thing about that is you're not in there all by yourself. Oh my gosh, yeah. And you know, with thirty crazy middle schoolers. That gives me a little anxiety just yeah. thinking about walking into yeah. a room of eighth but graders. Of, but of course, the teachers there as well, mm -hmm. and they help to manage the classroom environment. And so the volunteers they take turns presenting different parts of the content, um, and that does a couple of things. They have the support of that other person they also hold each other accountable to make sure they're really on their game and 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 know the material well that we provide them and um and it also helps break it up for the kids because the kids tend to have short attention span and and so changing it up with a different person every five ten minutes for for a different activity that we're doing with them uh, helps hold their attention and of course in some cases a certain kid might relate more to some one presenter than they might to another. So um, having that variety also helps more kids connect with the, with the volunteers that we have in the classroom. In some ways, I would imagine it helps kids that it's not the teacher they see every day in oh. a way, right? That oh, it's absolutely. a new special face and... Right. I mean, if you think about it in the business community, we always think that outside expert knows something that we don't know. The that consultant. our consultant. Yeah, the consultant, uh -huh. the expert out there. And, and the same kind of model happens here when, you know, kid, I mean, kids hear from adults. They hear from their parents or, or, or guardians. They hear from their teachers. They hear from their coaches and so on. But when it's someone they don't know at all and they come from the outside and they're coming in as a volunteer, they're not being paid to do it uh, because they care and they want to help. Um, they can be a role model for the kids and they can be a new source of the information that, um, that will give them a certain amount of credibility with the kids that, that they wouldn't necessarily give to the parents or teachers or, or others that they see every day because well, they know that, that that's what the parent's supposed to say to them or the teacher's supposed to say. But when they hear it from that outside person, it's like, oh, okay, now I get it. And of course, you know, kids don't think of their parents and teachers as living in the real world. Right. But <laughs> when the head of a company or, or, or uh, you know, a, a bus driver or somebody who's, a, you know, we've had a ballet dancer that came and delivered choices in the schools. And, you know, they hear from people from different walks of life. It really makes an impact on them because then they think, oh, I could be that person someday. And so the idea is to see this person, oh, I could be that person someday, and for choices to help um, eighth graders understand, okay, well, here are pivot points along, along your life, right. right, where the good choices 
matter and build to that goal. Yeah. Well, in fact, one of the first things we do in the workshop is we roll out this vinyl scroll. It's about six inches tall and it's about 15 feet long. It's quite and the prop. It, yeah. <laughs> it's got all these little hash marks on it and each one is a year of their life. And so as we take them through the first few years of their life to the where they are now at age 13 or 14, you know, they see that they've been around for a long time and they feel like they've been in school forever. And, you know, four years more to go to get till they get out of high school. Then maybe they go to college or some other form of education beyond high school. And we make sure that we know, let them know there's a lot of options in that. Um, and then they start living the rest of their life and they realize, wow, that's, that's a big life out there. Maybe my schooling isn't uh, so involved you know there's not uh, no so many years that i'm involved in school that i can't really um i can't really see beyond it but yet the choices they're making while they're in school are going to have a huge impact on the rest of their life and for them to see the rest of their life and realize that whether they mean to or not they're already making choices that are going to impact their future i think really catches their attention can you think of an example of someone that is either shared back to a volunteer or back to a teacher or directly back to you that's come through the program that's said, I, I identify where that choice moment was? Yeah, we have, um, we had a guy actually uh, who, um, who was in Portland, Oregon, and went through our program when he was a ninth grader, because in the early days we did it in the ninth grade. And um, we didn't know about him, didn't keep track of him over the years. But many years later, one of our corporate funders, UPS, the United Parcel Service, um, had made uh, some donations, some grants to us, and we decided that we should reach out to them to see if anyone on, uh, that worked for them wanted to become uh, a board member of our organization. So we reached out, and then there was a new local guy in town, and they said, oh, well, you should meet with him. So he came to us, and, and we sat down, and we explained the program, and, and we got out this little yellow rubber key that we give to every kid and showed him this key and said, this is one of the things that we give out to the kids. And his eyes got big and said, I've got one of those keys. I was in your program when I was a ninth grader. And so he told us his story of how, um, you know, he, he was okay. He wasn't at risk of dropping out necessarily, but he was one of those kids that, you know, was screwing around and not, not taking school very seriously. And he remembers his teacher saying to him, you know, if you really apply yourself, you really have, a, you could really have a, a great future. And he said, I remember to this day, that guy that came in and talked in our classroom, I remember what he looked like. I remember almost everything he said. Wow. And that's what made it happen for me. And he said, my grades started improving, um, even got better in sports because a lot of the things that you learn about self-discipline and, and, and goal setting and timing and all that kind of stuff applies to sports as well. And, and he ended up um, graduating from high school, graduating from college, got a law degree, and then had this uh, career position at UPS and, of course, joined our board. So it was really an amazing experience uh, all these years later to have him appear almost out of nowhere and, um, and uh, reconnect with us and tell us the story of how, how much the program had impacted him. And so we and can only imagine how many more there that's are. That's right. That's right. Because as I mentioned, we do choices here in King County. We run it ourselves, but we are a social enterprise. So we actually have a replicable model where we take this program and offer it to other organizations across the country. They can license it from us on an annual renewable basis. And what that allows is for us to reach far more kids because we can train them in the same materials and they can then serve the kids in their communities. 
And so over the 34 years that we've been doing this program, since uh, this father was helping his son way back when, uh, we've now delivered this program to over 6 million kids. And we've been in every state in the U.S., um, three, six provinces in Canada, and three locations in Australia. So, you know, you, you think, what could one man do, this guy that was trying to help his own son? And over 6 million kids have, reached, uh, have uh, heard this message because of his willingness to take it to the schools. That, that's fantastic. And when we think through helping nonprofits be successful, one of those is continuous income streams. So this idea of being able to license the right. program uh, supports sustainability for your organization. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Yes. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that there are a lot of uh, 501c3 public charities that are also social enterprises mm -hmm. because they have an earned revenue stream. You could think of uh, the opera where they, they go out and get donors and grants, but they also sell tickets to their performances. And so that's an earned revenue stream for them. Same with the YMCA and the health clubs. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that is an earned revenue stream for them that helps subsidize their other programming. So in our case, it's almost all that. And we do write grants and we do get donations as well. So we have all three revenue streams. And you're right, it really does help to have a third stream. So it helps um, uh, uh, help support us if one of the other streams is, is lacking in, in some way, then we have these other sources as well. Yeah. So it's a good model for a nonprofit organization if it fits their, their mission. If there is that thing that they can scale and replicate, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so one of the missions here of Find Your Cause, the podcast, is to connect people in a way where they have a tangible way they can give or help or contribute. Yes. So you know, what do you need? What can people do? <laughs> well, thank you for asking. Of course. Um, we are, by our nature, a very volunteer-driven organization because um, having paid staff go into the schools would change the nature of what we feel, what we, what kids see when they come in. Oh, this person's just here doing their job, right? Mm. But if it's a volunteer coming in, that has a whole different um, uh, impact on the kids because they see, oh, this person's really here. I mean, they've taken time off work during the workday to come in and talk to us. You know, that's that gets their attention right away. Right. Uh, so there's some real authentic authenticity and credibility that happens with that. So our model is that our program is not delivered by our own organization or our own staff. It's delivered solely by volunteers. I mean, I, I do go out to help fill in, so to speak, and some <laughs> sure. of our other staff do as well. But the primary objective is to get those positive adult role models from the community in front of the kids. So the one of the most impactful ways that people can um, support our organization is to volunteer to become a Choices presenter. And they can do that here in one of the 2930 schools that we serve each year uh, here in King County in one of the five school districts. Um, or if they're in other parts of the country, they could contact us to see if we have a program there. We have 51 sites in 16 states. Um, so there, there is a likelihood that we might be serving uh, our delivering our program in their community and they could participate. Of course, the other way is, is support, uh, financial support. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a portal on our website that people can make a, a donation to. And, and people make donations in different ways. Um, some will say, well, here's how much I can give. Uh, some will say, well, I like to, I'd like to support 10 kids. And our program costs less than $5 per student served. So 50 bucks serves 10 kids. That's pretty powerful. $150 yeah. serves a whole classroom of 30 kids. So for not a lot of money, you can really make quite an impact. And um, I think uh, donors really like being able to see 
uh, that they can do that. And some donors will designate their gift for a certain school or school district or city or state uh, to be delivered in, and others will just say wherever it can be best used, um, and then we'll apply it in as, as they wish. You touched on how long Choices has been around. Our podcast listeners can't see you, Leo, but you've been around a long time, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true, yeah. 1996? Yes, I, I was there to help start the organization. As I mentioned, I'm not the founder. Um, that was Gary Frizzell, who was helping his own son at the time. And uh, he um, was actually f- pretty far along in his career when, when this started. So 11 years after we began as a nonprofit, we had no, hi- no idea how long this would go. Uh, but he retired then. And so I've been kind of carrying the torch since then with a lot of support from uh, great people on our staff and on our board over the years. And uh, also, of course, these incredible volunteers. I mean, even right now, we have over 500 volunteers nationwide that deliver this program. So it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, it's not just what one person can do, but it is also what one person can do. So yeah, I have been here a while. What was the draw for you personally when you thought, okay, this is something I, I want to be part of? Well, I, you know, I was actually thinking about that um, because I don't have often time to reflect about things like this. And I, I think it's a really cool idea to do that. You know, I was brought up to believe in what I do, not just to do things, just to do them and to make a difference in the world. And I wanted always, especially when I was in college, I was thinking I want to do something that's socially redeeming with my life. And so when this came along, five years into my career working at the phone company, I thought, well, what a, what a great opportunity. And it was totally serendipitous that I happened to be working in a part of the company where uh, this was an opportunity that was made available to me. But it really resonated. And you know, as I've seen the program evolved and, and the lives that it's impacted, not only the students that are, of course, the focus of the program, but also the volunteers and even the businesses and other organizations we've engaged uh, in the process, I've really realized that there are a lot of good people in the world mm-hmm. and they really do care about each other uh, and about kids and about our future. Um, and I find that very encouraging, especially in a time like we're living in today. So I'm, I'm hanging on to that. Yeah, I think we... We all need a little thing to hang on to right yep. now. Um, and so doing the work that you're doing has to feel like you can rest your head on your pillow at night, right? <laughs> yes. I know you did something good. It is rewarding work. And, you know, it is it is really nice when the pro- the the majority of your day is working with people who really care about mm-hmm. the community and seeing the volunteers and what they give. Um, I mean, we've had volunteers that, in fact, I'll just say we have a flight attendant from Alaska Airlines in her first year of doing this program. We asked volunteers, could you deliver choices to three classrooms? She, in her first year, delivered choices to 17 classrooms. Wow. And she's a flight attendant, which means she had to do it on her day off. Yeah, she's She not... can't leave the plane for an hour <laughs> to go can't... to a choices class, right? So the commitment that people have for this program is amazing. And it does make you feel good to get up in the morning and to go to sleep at night to think um, there's a lot of people out there that care. And yeah. they want to give back. And um, so it is, it is very re- rewarding. It really is. And I'm sure there's that impact that a volunteer feels in the classroom. Also, do you, do you track your students after they've gone through choices? And is there data around the, the actual broader impact? Yes. Um, 
It's a great question. Let me tell you first what's challenging with yeah. it, because it is challenging. Uh, we're obviously dealing with eighth graders who are 13 and 14 years old. So as minors, there's some issues with privacy and security. Yeah. Um, and it's also expensive because to track them over time, mm -hmm. they move to different schools, to high school, maybe on to college, and then go out into the world somewhere. So it's, it's difficult and expensive to track them. What we have found is that there is um, there's established research that shows that kids who are positively engaged in school are much more likely to graduate high school on time. So we realize that if we can demonstrate that we're increasing kids' positive engagement in school, then there's linkage that would indicate they're more likely to graduate. So that's something that's more measurable for us, and we've done a variety of studies internally, I, I will say, uh, so it's not been vetted uh, through um, external independent research, but um, internal research that has shown uh, that kids who go through our program increase their positive engagement on an average of about 9%, but they also, kids decrease their negative engagement and non-engagement mm. by 9%. Mm -hmm. And we didn't even think about measuring that at first, but realized that was something to measure and realized, wow, that's like an 18% swing um, uh, that can be uh, at least coincidental, if not correlated to choices. It's really hard to say if it's causal, particularly over time, because let's say that you know our, our holy grail would be that kids would graduate from high school uh, because of the Choices program. But that's five years later, and it's very hard to be able to say, even if they did graduate, that it was because of Choices, because there's been so many other impacts and influences on their lives. Um, but be, to be able to show over a shorter period of time, yes, we were po able to positively increase their engagement in school, then we know that we're, we're getting the work. And I'll tell you this, too. Um, you know, a, a lot of people look at statistics, but the anecdotes, uh, and particularly the, the comments from the teachers. Kids rate us highly. We get about a 83 to 84% positive rating on a scale, on, a, on 20 different data points that we measure in our surveys at the end of the workshop. Um, teachers give us a 97% positive rating. So if the teachers are actually rating the program higher than the kids, then you know there's something that's working. And they, they love this program. And they're giving up two hours of instructional time to allow us to come into their classroom. So that's pretty significant. Yeah, I think eighth grade was a time when it wasn't super cool to, like, love school and your teacher, oh, right? No. So maybe they're, they're not fully honest on those surveys, or they just don't have the perspective to right. recognize the impact, whereas the teachers who are in the classroom with them before and after right. have that perspective. Yes. Um, so that's really cool to hear and to know that what you're, what you're doing work, is working. Um, and, and I know that you know, gathering data and research in um, protected populations is super challenging, right? So yes. um, I work with an organization that's in the criminal justice system. There's just no way to do a control group and those kinds of things. So right, right. Um, definitely understand that that sort of hard research isn't there. And also the anecdotes are more what tug at people's heartstrings. That's so right. when we're thinking about creating a broader volunteer base or getting people who want to donate to Choices, I think it's thinking about that, that kid that you know has been changed because of this. Yes, that's really true. And, 
And I will say that um, when we go into a classroom, we're not just reading off a list of things to do or giving them a lecture or anything like that. The, the program is intentionally designed to be very engaging and interactive. So the kids are constantly coming up to the front of the room and they're involved in a, in a game show or a role play or a demonstration where they're interacting with the materials and with the two presenters in the room so that, um, so that they're discovering the message for themselves. It's not being spoken to them or taught at them, but they're, they're experiencing it. And, and that, again, adds to the credibility along with the fact that this is that outside expert you know, mm-hmm. person that's coming in to, to speak with them. And um, so what it does is it makes the volunteer experience really fun because you're in there with your co-presenter. You probably practice with them and connected with them ahead, ahead of time so everybody knows who's doing what. And, and then you have these great interactions with the kids. And half the time, while the other person's presenting, you're observing, which is really a fun experience because you can read the room. You can see how kids are reacting. The kids are cracking up. They're having fun. Um, it's fast-paced. I mean, we move through a lot of content quickly in this interactive um, modal uh, process. And, and so uh, there's no time to get bored. There's no mm-hmm. time for things to take long and for kids to start rolling their eyes because it's like, oh, boy, how long is this going to last? Um, we do really work to make it fun and interactive for them. And we, we try to relate to a lot of the things in their lives that matter to them. For example, we use a, a, a analogy with their cell phones. And, um, and so they, they you know, connect with that immediately. And so those kinds of things that, um, that make it relevant for them and make it fun for the volunteers as well. So it does become that kind of positive experience for them. What is the cell phone analogy? Well, I pull my phone out and say, if I was going to buy you a new phone, would you want one that can only make calls and has short battery life? And they all say, no. (laughs) Well, what would you want in a phone? And they start saying all the different features about phones, all the cool things. And I say, yeah, so this is an analogy because um, someday, maybe 10, 15 years from now, you're going to be out there in the working world looking for a job, right? And Um, employers are going to be out shopping for employees, just like I went shopping for this phone. Do you think they want an employee that can only do one thing and not very well and not for very long? (laughs) No, No, they say no. No, right. They want someone who can do lots of things, right? Like that smartphone. They're fast. It's accurate. Um, You know, it it can do multiple things at once. Um, It's got long battery life, you know. (laughs) That's That's the kind of employee they want, right? Now, are smartphones cool? Everybody goes, yeah. So are smart kids cool? Oh, yeah. So we kind of use this analogy there, uh, again, using a device that they're into and they're excited about and they want to talk about to help make a point. And then we, the clincher at the end of this, uh, this little analogy is to say there's one major difference. There's a lot of differences between you and that phone, but one major difference is that phone had no choice in what it was going to be, but you do. You can choose what kind of a person and what kind of employee you're going to be someday. And that makes you a really powerful person. And a lot of what we talk about in Choices is helping kids um, realize that they have power mm-hmm. and helping them access that power that gives them uh, a voice in their life and gives them um, the understanding that they can make choices that have consequences and they can mold and shape their lives um, by the choices that they make. And that's, that's a pretty cool experience when you see the light bulb coming on. And I'd say in many ways, Choices is a light bulb or aha experience for kids because we're just there for those two hours. Uh, and yet we've had kids who 
they, they've, they've told us their life is different because of this program. One kid said, you gave us an education on why we need an education. You know, another kid said, I'm really glad you came because um, one more failure and I was going to drop out. But now I'm going to stick around. I, that was a paraphrase of what they said, yeah. but that was the message. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think another kid said something like, you showed me my life and I'll never forget. I'll tell you, that's... That's a pretty powerful experience for a volunteer to hear that and knowing that that kid's going to walk away with that memory in their life. Yeah, that's the goosebumps moment where it's yeah, like, exactly. wow, we're doing, we're really doing this work uh, yeah. for a reason. That's right. Um, super cool. And I'm going to think about that cell phone analogy a little bit more. Way to, way to take it to the thing they care about, right? Well, you got to <laughs> speak you've their gotta, language. That's right. That's yeah. right. Because if I try to actually speak their language, in other words, using their vernacular, as soon as I say something, it's out of date already, right? So that's not going to work. <laughs> um, but I, I can be aware, particularly those of us who are volunteers that have kids, maybe, you know, I was at a luncheon today and the woman I was sitting next to, she said, oh, yeah, I've got an eighth grader. <laughs> she was like, oh, yeah, I've got an eighth grader. So she understood just, just by the fact that we were working with eighth graders, she understood how impactful and important a message like this can be. So. Very cool. Leo, is there anything I haven't asked you that you wanted to make sure we, we share? Oh, my. Um, well, I do want to thank the volunteers because mm -hmm. uh, obviously we couldn't reach near as many kids, and it would be way more expensive for us to do the program that way. And so thanking the volunteers for their time and commitment, thanking the businesses that help make them available and that provide the funding also that supports this is, is so important. Um, in terms of any of your listeners that might want to get involved in this, um, we provide an online training. It's only two hours in length. And then you have the option, if you want, to sit in the back of the room and watch a couple of other people do the presentation so that you can see how it works, see how those kids actually act in the classroom, and decide whether or not this is something for you. And um, I'll tell you, we, um, when, when you serve, when you deliver choices to three classrooms, that means you and your co-presenter are reaching 90 kids. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a powerful leverage uh, in terms of impact that you're, that you're reaching. And um, when we have people who've been presenters for 10, 15 years, we have a guy down in Arizona who del has delivered choices personally to over 12,000 kids. Wow. He had polio when he was young, so he did it all from his wheelchair and was an incredible and powerful role model for the kids there. So um, it, it, never, never uh, uh, discourage yourself or think that you can't make an impact, even if you have um, some situation in your life that thinks, oh, they wouldn't want to listen to me. Um, you know, I'm an old white guy, and I had a young black girl come up to me after class one day, and as she was leaving the room, I said goodbye to her, and she turned around and she looked me right in the eye and said, you really inspired me. And I'm telling you, that, that's, that's why I get up every morning. I, I could go another 20 years <laughs> uh, just on a comment like that because you know that you've made an impact in a situation where I might never even have an audience with a young woman like that. So, Very cool. Very cool. Thank you, Leo. And thanks for sharing so many of those anecdotes, like we said, because that's really, I think, where people can relate. And, yeah. and that's where the magic is, um, yeah. outside of just, you know, the numbers and whatever, right. whatever else. Um, 
one thing we're asking all of our guests on Find Your Cause is, if you weren't doing exactly what you're doing, and you are very good, obviously, at what you are doing, but is there another cause or another organization that, that you really also care about or that you know is doing great work? Well, there are so many. I would probably, we'd run out of tape here if I, <laughs> if I mentioned them all because there are so many great organizations doing so many great things in so many different um, areas. Uh, I'll just share two things. One is uh, there's an organization called Choose 180, and they work with kids who have been charged with crimes. If the kids go through their program, their charges could be reduced or dropped. And uh, King County Prosecutor Dan Satterberg, who, by the way, is a Choices volunteer and delivers our program in the schools, Very cool. helped get the Choose 180 program going. And Sean Good, the director there, does a fantastic job. And you can sit in on one of their workshops, and you will not just be observing, you will be actively participating. And, and I don't want to um, spoil the secret, but it's a, it's a really powerful experience to, to sit in on that. So that's one organization I would definitely um, encourage people to check out. Um, there are several others that we um, that I work with uh, in di various capacities. Youth Care is a great organization. Mm -hmm. Mary's Place, uh, the, the list could go on. If I was going to join another nonprofit organization, um, I don't know. I um, I'm, I'm an amateur musician, and so I've thought about working with an organization like the Vera Project that does great work working uh, with at-risk kids, teaching them about music performance and how to run a how to run a, a, a music business and recording and all kinds of cool things. Uh, there's another one called Totem Star that does the same kind of thing. Um, great stuff. So um, it would be kind of an intriguing idea to marry my interest with music into my interest with uh, serving at-risk kids. So. Who knows? You might see me at one of those organizations <laughs> hanging out one day. All right. And I think we'll try to get those other organizations involved with Find Your Cause. So That'd be fantastic. Awesome. We'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Leo. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. All right. My pleasure.